Big Little Lies, Season 2, Episode 3, The End of the World is Over, but we are just getting started here a little bit late on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, uh, and broadcasting with me from deep inside of a closet where we are having an anxiety attack, it's the great Emily Fox. Emily, how are you holding up? I have uh, I, I fell a little limp into this closet this morning, but I'm ready to come out and figure out what's uh, causing all of my ailments. Emily Fox and I are not broadcasting from inside a closet. We <laughs> are broadcasting from inside a hotel room in Boston, Massachusetts, where we are currently on vacation on our way up to Maine here in Boston. We have done so much. We've seen the Lonely Island in concert. How was that? It was fantastic. More, uh, it exceeded my expectations. Exceeded all of Emily's expectations. We went to, to the Red Sox, my first ever Fenway Park experience. And it was great, even though it rained a little bit, but we were covered. So that was great. It was misty. So it was nice and a, a little moist, much like the action on Big Little Lies Ew. out in Monterey, That's California. The worst word. It was just like a Pacific Coast type of joke. I was just trying to like unite our experience with uh, we're, we're having an, an opposite coastal experience. Josh, this is not a sustainable conversation. It's not a sustainable conversation. But if the audio quality is a little bit different this time, that's, that's why. partly why we are in this hotel room. You may be hearing some uh, construction from uh, the, the lovely uh, sea. What are we? Seaport? Seaport? We're in Southie right now. We're in now, Southie right where now. Where they are completely renovating the entire area. <laughs> There's some stuff going on outside. So if you hear that, apologies for that. Emily and I are both sitting uh, at, the, at the hotel desk staring at each other in the mirror on the wall. I actually think this is a great setup because I love to make eye contact with you when we talk, but it's not great for mics. Yeah, yeah, but you do love to make eye contact. And so right now we're both staring into a mirror that is staring back at each other. So if you just want to draw the mental image for yourselves, that's what's going on. I'm deeply unshowered. Emily is freshly clean. And we're both ready to talk about The End of the World, Big Little Lies, Season 2, Episode 3. 40 minutes of uninterrupted eye contact. Yes, yes. 43 minutes, uh, roughly, <laughs> on Big Little Lies this week. Once again, a short episode. Yeah, I loved that. I think we got a lot of really great information and storylines sort of uh, fleshed out a little bit for this. But it didn't feel too crazy like last week's episode. No. So I was a little relieved at that. So uh, since we're on on the road, we're going to try and keep this a little bit tight ourselves. We just want to make sure this gets out to you. Obviously, it's already coming your way a little bit late. It'll be that way next week as well. Starting with episode five, we're going to be back on track scheduling wise. So thanks for bearing with us. In the meanwhile, of course, we want to get your feedback all along the way here. We've got a lot of great stuff to go through towards the end of the podcast. You can tweet at us on Twitter. The Post Show Recaps Twitter account is simple. It's at Post Show Recaps. I'm at Rand Howard, like Ron Howard, but rounder. Emily is at Emilet, like an omelet with an E. And that's only that's less than four minutes of a rambling introduction. Can you allow this? I'm just looking at you. I know we've made peace. But I'm trying to keep it tighter because I see you. I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. And we have the headlines. You want to hear the headlines from the world of Big Little Eyes this week? Yeah, let's 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 do like the, the general overview. OK, so the general overview is that it's the end of the world. <laughs> the world is ending. Climate change is real. Climate we can no longer deny this guy. Climate change is real. It cannot be denied, much like the, the revelators, as Ben Liu would like to tell us. Uh, regulators? I, I think it's just the revealers. Oh. Uh, but I like to combine the revealers and the regulators. No one cares about this. There's a there's a new name for Renata Klein. She's the Medusa of Monterey. Again, just holding up to being like. Like one of the greatest characters of all time. She's spectacular. The Medusa of Monterey goes on a tear when she finds out that her daughter has had an anxiety.
anxiety attack triggered by climate change. Uh, so we'll dive into all of that. Madeline is melting down as well. It's not just the ice caps, Emily, that are melting down. Uh, Madeline is having a hard time. She has a, a fairly public reaction to everything that's going on in her life. Yeah, when privately. She, yeah. yeah, she has private and public uh, meltdowns this week. We'll talk about that. Uh, Jane and Mary Louise have made contact. Mary Louise with her with her scary little Alexander Skarsgård teeth have made contact <laughs> and uh, it's it's a little tense. It's it's, it's a, terrifying. It's I want to talk a lot about this because I just feel like what would you do if you were in Jane's like situation, quite honestly? And Mary Louise is really trying to get to the bottom of things, but being very, very crafty and weird about it and like just being like perfect Meryl Streep material. So like I really ugh. This was a great week about like her storyline. There's a lot going on still with Celeste uh, and her relationship with her deceased husband, Perry. Uh, some therapy sessions that I know uh, the material of which yeah. have, have been really discussed pretty heavily online already before you and I have gotten a chance mm -hmm. uh, to talk about them. And candidly, Emily and I, we watched the episode and we were like, oh, these these scenes are so well acted, like the therapy scenes. And I don't think that you and I really like stopped to like think down too much about what was being said in them. Well, there were a few things where I was like, OK, this is a new technique. And then after reading a lot of what's been published online about it, I was like, yeah, she really stepped out of um, her role as a therapist and was kind of saying some uh, questionable things. And I think we definitely want to, you know, dive deeper into that as well. Yeah, I think some great things have been written, have been discussed online. We'll point you in the direction of some of that material. Then uh, Bonnie. Bonnie's just Bonnie's kind of chill this week. <laughs> like, what's going on with Bonnie? She got the bone, the crystal and the feather. And like Listen, now everything's going to keep staring at that water until it gets closer and closer to her. So I don't know how I feel about it. It's kind of. Freaky. Oh, is this like calm before the storm? Oh, totally. You oh. see her mom like literally push her underwater to teach her how to swim. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, you know, a sign of things to come, I think. OK, so let's drill deeper into these storylines. We typically begin with like the Madeline, Celeste, Mary Louise contingent. Emily Fox, I want to start with Renata because <laughs> I the Medusa <laughs> of Monterey is just an incredible nickname for this character. Uh, and I also felt like this, you know, this episode, it's not Laura Dern's coming out party by no, any stretch no. of the imagination. First of all, her, her storied career speaks for itself. She has been out and about and in our business for a very long time. But I want to give a shout out to PJ Byrne, who plays Principal Nepal, who <laughs> is so ridiculous, who is such a ridiculous character. And the face off between Principal and Nepal and Renata, where clearly neither of them have any room left in their hearts to give a shit about each other yeah. and being polite was just absolutely amazing. And him labeling her as uh, the Medusa of Monterey. I cracked up. That scene was remarkably great. It was really good. I mean, if we want to sort of start from the beginning. So we go to a classroom scene with, you know, it's Ziggy's class and Amabella's still in it and the twins are in it everything, you know, same cast of characters. They're talking to Charlotte's Web. They're talking about Charlotte's Web. That's some Webb. voracious, radiant, humble thingamajigamapig. 
Oh my gosh. Wow. A fair is a veritable smorgasbord. Smorgasbord, orgasbord, after the crowds have ceased. I mean, each night when the lights go down, it can be found on the ground all around. That's <laughs> where a rat can feast. Yeah. So I know the movie. I never read the book. You I never think. read the book? Maybe oh, I man. did in school. Maybe I did in school just like these little kids did, but I never sat down and read it. I always just knew that movie. And that movie made me ball as a child, as I understand it probably did How a lot. How very special are we? Oh, stop Mother it. Mother time. Wow. Should I like go on to the Elvis thing? No. Should I do Elvis voice for that? No, it's very, it's a very, it's a very emotional story as a kid. Like get, encountering Charlotte's Web in second grade is already intense. Climate change is happening, so maybe just throw that in there. Like it's while you're like already feeling fairly low. Yeah, it's an interesting maneuver where we're talking about like sweet farming. Yeah, sweet maneuvers. Like we're talking about farming and sustainability practices in terms of climate change. I'm pretty sure that was not the original concept for Charlotte's Web. But uh, interesting tie-in given the times. Yeah, interesting tie-in. Um, but either way, so we're watching everybody talk about this. And, you know, the teacher gives like these really crazy numbers of how much water it would require to raise a pig. And then we realize that uh, there are little legs sticking out of the back closet. <laughs> and, <it's, laughs> and I don't know about you, but like I was having like I was like having like a sharp objects like trigger moment where I was like, oh, great. Another dead child. I like, thought of like the Wizard of Oz where I was like, the legs are right. out. <laughs> yeah. Like sticking out from underneath the house. Yeah. But it ends up being Amabella who she's she's really been put through the ringer. Yeah. Um, How did she get in the closet? I don't know. Like the, com- the conversation about climate change was too intense. She's like, I, ha- I have to go into the closet right now. I mean, if no you one found can look out about it when you were in second grade, you probably wouldn't feel about great about it either. I have to tell you a quick story. When I was in second or third grade, um, my mom took me and like three, three of my best friends at the time to uh, the Omni Theater at the Boston Science Museum. And it was like this really, I mean, it is this really cool theater and they play all sorts of um, like lengthy movies. But this one was um, sort of like what would happen if an asteroid was flying towards the earth? Like what would the world do? How would you handle it? What are like the the specs of the asteroid and how did it become so big? And then they showed you a back to back double feature of deep impact in Armageddon. And no. at the end they said, choose which one you think is more realistic. No, they didn't. It's um, deep impact is more realistic. I, I gleaned a lot underrated. of information from this birthday trip to the science museum where I was able to make a more educated guess when those movies came out later. Anyway, I'm sitting there and I was definitely the only one that didn't pick up on the fact that this wasn't actually happening. So at the end of the movie, everybody looked at each other and they're like, wow, that was really cool. And I looked at my mom and I was like, so an asteroid's going to hit soon? <laughs> and she was like, no. Oh, my God. No, this wasn't real. And I was like, are you sure? Oh, and no. she's like, I mean, it, it certainly could happen, but I think we'd all know. And I'm like, OK, because it was just so real. The graphics are great on the screen, all this stuff. So I kind of relate to Amabella a little bit. And I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, I've been pretty uh, on the record about uh, having dealt with issues of anxiety, especially in the last like year or so. Uh, so I'm not one to to make light of an anxiety attack. I just think that the sight gag of Annabella's like <laughs> legs spilling out of the closet it was it was like terrifying initially, and then in retrospect, like when you find out some of the things that she's anxious about, it makes sense. It makes sense. It's it's very heavy, obviously, like the, the climate change stuff, and and just like. 
you know, you and I, we don't have children. Uh, we, we don't, we don't know what the future holds for us in, in that regard necessarily. Correct. Uh, but we, we, we don't have that. And so we haven't really had to think about much of like, how do you, how do you teach yeah, something like that right that? now to, to kids of that age? Do you talk about that stuff to, to children of this age at this point? Um, you know, we don't have, we don't have friends who are, who are parents to, to children of this age quite yet. Uh, so we don't, we haven't had those conversations with people of like, how have you had to deal with this? We'll see a few people in the next like couple of months who maybe we can, we can pick their brains about this a little bit more. But especially if you're, if you're listening to this and you're a parent and you have children that are the age of, of Amabella and Ziggy and, and Josh and Max, uh, I'd, I'd love to know like how you handle, you know, matters like this right into us in the, in the feedback section, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback or the various Twitter channels. Uh, because I think that it's very much at the heart of this episode is how do you convey difficult information to people who may not be ready to hear it, but maybe but need to need hear to know it, it. Yeah. it at some point, but is now the time. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons why I love this show though, is because like, it is an exploration of like, when is the right time to tell the truth? Clearly never. <laughs> never. Yeah. You keep it forever. You said all the small fires <laughs> that happen every single week. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, yeah. it, it gets us into the mode of Amabella's had the anxiety attack and Renata just goes ape shit. Yeah. And she like comes in and she's freaking out. And like the doctors are all like, hey, Renata, you're insane. Yeah, I know. And Renata's like, cool, bring her to Stanford. I know, I love how she Why was like, do you want to transfer her, her to Stanford? Because <laughs> it's Stanford. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. And then she uh, is basically told by the doctor, you know, that. There, you know, this was just an anxiety attack. She didn't get attacked by another kid because, you know, I think uh, Renata just jumped to conclusions and was like, oh, my God, like someone else tried to strangle her, which actually is pretty normal, I think, based on like the, the trauma of that last year. Um, but it does lead her to start having to self-examine a little bit. She's freaking out about stuff having to do with her husband being indicted on these charges. Right. You know, they are significantly facing, you know, lowered status and wealth because of the embarrassment surrounding it. And like now it's not even just like the little part that she's saying privately, either to herself in her inner monologue or to her close friends like Madeline. She's now like screaming it at the, at the principal of the school. She's like, yeah. I'm good. This just because I'm not rich anymore. Like you think you can treat me like this. I'm going to be rich again. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's really amazing and crazy. And I just think it's, she's such an interesting character to watch and just so it tickles me to watch her. I think it's so funny. It's really it's really. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And even her husband at one point is like, you need to like reexamine what's going on here. Well, I mean, there's there's some truth to that is like he's done a horrible thing. He's done a, a stupid, stupid just hiding thing. behind his trains, he's hiding behind his trains in his man cave, which I I don't know. We can't go down that that road because we'll be in the man cave for too long. I have questions about the man cave. Would you like sell your toys? Yeah, it's like sell your toys. Yeah, <laughs> I loved that. I thought that was great. It's like I'll buy them. I'm just seems like you got some cool stuff. I just think she's hysterical, but like, what a nightmare person. <laughs> but I think like he 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 brings up a, a a good point of like, and you can imagine it from his perspective. He said, "When I met you, the walls were so thick, you were like impenetrable. It was impossible to get through." Uh, and eventually, I was able to get you to put the guardrails down. But for the last year. They've been up. So what why? What's say? going on yeah. with you? We know what's going on with Renata. Obviously, Gordon has no idea. 
Uh, and How Gordon, many of Gordon, these men don't realize that all of their wives literally saw someone fall down a set of stairs and die? Yeah, I think that that's like, the, come on. I men. think that that's the thing is like, <laughs> like they, they could do a little better at sourcing the moment where <laughs> where the rails went back. Like they up. all keep speculating. This started up about a year ago. Well, yeah. Yeah. You saw a human being die traumatically. Uh, so maybe that's something to to, right. to pay attention to. Uh, but it's, you know, even though Gordon is, is, has done this terrible thing, like it, he's talking some sense here, doesn't excuse by any stretch of the imagination what he has done. Uh, but like I, I, my heart did go out to him a little bit where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I see that like you're trying to like call Renata out on some difficult things that, that she is going through. I don't think that he's necessarily the right messenger for that. <laughs> Maybe little Bo Peep would be a better so messenger can we talk about be, this because yeah. <laughs> i don't understand this yeah trudy weigel from uh reno 911 i mean i love her undercover as uh i as, heard her voice and i was like oh my god as little bo yes. peep yeah that was uh that was one of those moments where you're watching tv and like your your jaw kind of just like hits the ground and like it takes a solid five minutes to like pick your jaw back up because you're like what just happened? I mean, I kind of want to be like, well, this explains the anxiety attack. If yeah. little Peep showed up and was asking me all sorts of personal questions, I'd probably fall in a closet too. With Apparently, my Amabella out. loves little Bo Peep, and maybe that was the deal. She's like, oh, sweet, the sheep lady's here. She wants to have sleepover, sheepover with the sleep lady, the sheep lady, and little Bo Peep's like, no, I got to go How back. How sustainable is sheep farming, my, though, my, Amabella? My sheep are going to be very scared if I don't go back to them that night. And then she goes and she talks to, to Renata and Gordon and instantly just like goes into like normal human voice. Uh, it was it was amazing to to see Carrie Kenny in this role. Uh, I, I had no idea to expect this. I don't think anyone could have. I just hope that this is not the uh, the last of Little Bo Peep we see here on Big Little Lies. Or at the very least, that if we're going to get her back on the show, that she is going to be undercover in in different disguises would be would be fantastic yeah yeah but um anyway that was like the weirdest thing ever i could not understand like why she would show up that way it was great yeah it was amazing yeah so renata's freak out has kind of inspired uh principal de paul who does indeed <laughs> smoke cigarettes in his secret little place where no one can effing see us uh which was that that little moment was just so great such, such a such a tight little angry guy uh I feel like that's a moment where you realized you would make a great principal i don't think i would make i don't think i would make a great principal but my, my heart goes out to him i can for just sure. see you saying that exact same thing thing yeah come on we gotta go you're not a smoker gotta go to my secret effing smoke spot uh (laughs) i just thought that was amazing uh but that that leads us nicely i think into the madeline storyline that you know this this leads to the to the assembly the group assembly where everyone is is you know barking fire about what happened with the climate change conversation with the second graders and the end of the world of it all uh and how some mothers uh barked louder than others and you hear renata in the crowd being like you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) we're a darn man you just you can't give everyone from this show an Emmy unfortunately uh, I wish you could because they all deserve it uh, really Laura do. Dern is so freaking funny on this show uh, but it brings us to to Madeline she's also speaking from the audience and Principal DePaul who's just he's had it he's over it he calls her up because if if Renata Klein is the Medusa of Monterey then Madeline is the beacon the beacon of Monterey you are a beacon of our community he says to her uh, and, and so he calls her up to speak in front of everybody and she breaks down. You know, she ta- yeah. she starts talking a fairly big game about like, um, you know, what's what's the purpose of telling 
you know, ma- you know, material and information like this to to our children, and it you know quickly devolves and and escalates even into her talking about uh, the truth and and how there are no happy endings and people start you know need to be told everything that's going on, um, and the whole audience kind of like fades away in her mind, and you just see Ed in the yeah. back. It's like. It's the opposite. It's not the opposite necessarily, but it's it's a different story than what you usually hear of people be you like imagine them naked in the crowd, and so you're a little less embarrassed. And but you're a she's just afraid. talking to him. Really, she's focused on Ed. This yeah. is like her way of speaking to him. But Ed doesn't really. He doesn't like take it well. He doesn't take it poorly necessarily. He just kind of doesn't take it. There's after the assembly. There's the scene where he's coming out, and uh, Celeste says great job Ed. you couldn't be there for your wife and ed just has sort of like a remark of you know maybe i should go maybe we can go get coffee and you can fill me in on everything that's going on he's already earlier in the episode decided that he's going to start being a huge asshole because being a huge uh like being like a nice guy hasn't worked for him so maybe he should try and shake it up a little bit yeah it didn't render the same results but i feel like even though Madeline is probably giving like her most honest, raw confession in this moment, the problem from and and like she sees herself as talking specifically to Ed and we get to see that from her, her perspective. We never get to see it from Ed's perspective of you're talking directly to me from yeah. Ed's perspective. She's just like having a big meltdown in front of this whole crowd and having like a big public scene and it doesn't feel personal to him. Uh, and I, I think that this idea of Madeline uh, can't like say a, a thing like this in a private moment with her husband uh, from Ed's perspective, I think is probably a big part of the reason why he's not moving on from this. Not the least of which is also because like there was a big bomb that was that was dropped in his lap in, in episode two. Yeah, I mean, I understand him being really salty and, and unkind in a lot of these scenes just because he's still trying to process all of the stuff that happened. The thing that I find really surprising, and I guess we can just switch into this at this point, is when they go and see the same therapist Dr. that Celeste has. Yeah, yeah. Which in and of itself, I'm like, really? We couldn't have hired a different therapist because, I don't know, like... I've got a referral. Sometimes <laughs> that happens. When I was in uh, in high school, I saw a therapist, and then my two friends uh, ended up seeing the same therapist. I definitely wasn't very, very annoyed and mad about it. And I'm definitely not still stewing on it. Really? All these years later. Yeah. Long story. We'll talk about that offline. Okay. <laughs> but either way, it seems as though this is their first session with her. And even in that, I don't love the stuff she's kind of like drawing out of them that quickly. I feel like that's very unrealistic. Yeah. It seems like they're they're hitting fast forward on, on some of this stuff. I think that the... Yeah, I think that the therapy need to be a little bit more woke about mental health on this show. Well, it's you know, it's 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 a it's a tricky thing because on on the one hand, I love that they're going in on it. I love that they're I love that they're trying to explore the inner worlds of these people, and I think that often often that stuff is more successful for me on Big Little Lies when they're expressing it cinematically, mm-hmm. when they're expressing it visually, like when you're seeing a moment like Madeline staring out into the audience and the audience is gone and all you see is Ed. Right. Like that tells you so much about where she's at. Yeah. Uh, it, it works so much better for me when you're in last week's episode and Renata's in court and everyone's, and everyone's laughing, laughing at and her. clearly yeah. that's not happening. Yeah. Like, Cause I feel like 
when when you when you express it in in that form and it's something that that big little lies does does really well mm-hmm. as established in the first season by Jean-Marc Vallée who took that same approach I love to, it when you speak French to, to <laughs> took that same approach to sharp objects yeah, yeah, like, yeah. there'll be a lot of those quick cuts a lot that's like kind of left up to to you to chew on and mm-hmm. and figure out what it is you're eating uh, like I, 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 I enjoyed that. <laughs> I think delicious. I, I think that they just do a better job with it. That being said, I think that speaking about mental health and like, you know, literally talking about it and, and getting into it in that way in, and, and giving voice and giving terms and giving phrasing to, um, to what people are, are feeling helps and goes a long way towards destigmatizing this stuff Absolutely. and, and, and helping people to realize that like, Therapy shouldn't be a dirty secret. Uh, we're all struggling. Everybody's struggling. People struggle through it in different ways. Some people believe in therapy. Other people don't. That's fine. Some people aren't ready for it. Some people just don't don't have the means to do it because healthcare sucks. Uh, you know, there's so many different things. Yes. So I, I love seeing a show that has as high a profile as Big Little Lies getting into this stuff. But yeah, there's like a little asterisk on. There's this a little one. asterisk, and I think it's really mostly for me. It's this episode. Uh, and, and that it's, that it's really at, at the very least been, um, been really put on my, on my radar. Yeah. But I don't remember feeling like deeply troubled by the therapy sessions with Dr. Reisman previously. Uh, but, but this I one. Season one, she did a really great season job. Season one, she seems, she seemed to do a, a better job. But here in, in the conversations with Madeline and Ed, she's really leaning in on Madeline. She's never met her before. She's talking about how, uh, you know, you seem to be having problems with Abigail not going to school because you yourself didn't go to school. And it's like, dude, you just met me. Yeah, exactly. You just met me. And if you have that impression of me, then that's because you talked to my best friend, Celeste. Yeah, exactly. And you shouldn't be bringing that into the room here. Like, right. you don't know me. You've heard about me. Right. Uh, so, like, to fast forward that into the first session does feel pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, could, that can just lean us into some of the stuff with what's going on with uh with celeste uh where she's having sessions with dr reisman in this episode uh and you know she's telling celeste that uh that you're a ptsd survivor you missed the war when it comes to perry and we were both like wow that's like really poetic that's very powerful and then like the more we read about it online following that we were like wow that is really sort of stereotyping a lot of survivors it it didn't hit me right away but like reading about it and then thinking about it a little bit more is like you know it's like she's she's got a very complicated thing that's going on here right now where celeste clearly is going through a very understandable amount of ptsd from her experience with with her her husband she's you know a, a survivor of uh of domestic violence um, she she remembers, you know, she has like the memory box, like the video box for her children who are watching that and and remembering their father as like the playful monster yeah. and how he would, you know, he would do his little voice and but he would stop after that. And like it's, you know, a very thin line between that and the actual monster that he was. But in her children's mind, he was this wonderful father and she sees that reflected in their eyes. She thinks back to, you know, some of their, um, you know, their their sex life and when that was great and when that when that felt good, even even if it was deeply problematic. So she's going through a lot, a lot of stuff. 
and the way that Dr. Reisman really leans in on her uh, is is just not great. It's obviously something that that um, hung in the minds of a lot of people who listened to this podcast and watched the show. Umberto wrote in and wanted us to talk about how bad the therapist was. Uh, we also got this uh, from Brendan Fitzpatrick, the great Brendan Fitzpatrick. Umberto's great as well. Uh, Brendan wrote in and said, so everyone on this season is in some form of denial. I don't necessarily think that the approach from the therapist to Renata or Emma or the therapist to Ed and Madeline was particularly great for them. And I think that that's right. I think that yeah. there is, you know, and, and maybe on some level showing that nobody has all the answers and, uh, you know, even even someone in Dr. Reisman's position is going to get things wrong. I think that there's interesting stuff to explore there. But I I, I think also when this kind of when these kinds of scenes, when like a, a, an interaction with a therapist uh, is not necessarily tremendously widely represented on popular television, at the very least, I do think that it behooves you to get it a little bit more right than they got it um, in this episode. And I'm and I'm glad to have read the things that that I've read. There's a there's yeah. A good, what's the article? There's a good op-ed on TV Line, uh, written by Dave Nemitz, that that I really enjoyed reading. Uh, my my great friend and yours, Emily, and all of yours on Poster Recaps, Antonio Mazzaro. Uh, slid into my DMs and and linked me to uh, a Twitter thread from from a, a law professor and anti violence advocate. Yeah, named, which I read earlier. Named Lee Lee Goodmark, uh, L E I G H Goodmark on Twitter uh, had a really great um, series of of comments on uh, from from a professional standpoint on why this scene was was so problematic. Having worked with a lot of people who have uh, who have survived. Uh, domestic violence and other kinds of uh, interpersonal violence, uh, and uh, I, I strongly recommend seeking seeking that out uh, for a good read. Again, that's Lee Goodmark on Twitter, and thanks Antonio for for sending that to me. Um, so I, I for, for me, like I think I'll keep a closer eye on on those interactions just for myself, just to to maybe like be a little more alert to that stuff. I think I think one of the things for me on Big Little Lies is that the acting is so great and it's it's so beautifully shot and edited and the music I, I love that there's like a feeling that I get swept up in with big little eyes. I think it's easy. I mean, it's much like getting drawn into the ocean. I think it's very easy to kind of just enjoy it. On What a wonderful transition. Uh, I've been at this for a few years now uh, that I think that there's like, you know, there's, there's a feeling of just kind of being able to get swept up in what the show does. Right. That for me anyway, and because I tend to just try and like often look at the silver linings of things especially after having been through the minds of something that offended me so much in, in a different TV show context on HBO, uh, that Tell I just, more about that that, I, Josh. That I already have, ah. that I just, that, <laughs> that I just want to enjoy myself, yeah. uh, that I, I find myself slipping into that mode with big little lies sometimes, uh, and not thinking about it as critically as maybe I could. Uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for the people who were, who were a lot smarter and quicker than I was, uh, to, to pick up on some of this, the, the scenes with the therapist. And I encourage all of you who listen to this podcast to, to go out there and do some reading and, uh, and, and some listening to other podcasts. I'm sure I've talked about this a lot, uh, and, uh, and just, and, and dive into that stuff yourself. Cause I think it's an important topic that's, that's really worth exploring in deeper detail. So, Hey. Yeah. Can I talk about something I found that was incorrect in this show? Oh, sure. Of course. <laughs> So Jane goes out on this date with this guy. Yeah, with Corey. Yeah, what the hell is his name? I don't uh, his name's Corey. Okay, Corey. Yeah, and, she, and he wants her to be his Topanga. And yeah. she's kind of like, eh, chill out. Yeah, we just exactly, met. exactly. I mean, it's interesting to see how she navigates, um, 
you know, personal uh, interactions with him where he like leans in to kiss her and she's like not ready for it. Right. Well, they go out to dinner and he is one of those people that's like, tell me about the fish on the menu. Did you catch it on land or like it is it like from a land based facility or from the ocean? Well, Corey, you work at the Monterey Bay Aquarium <laughs> and they created an app years ago, years ago called Seafood Watch in which you can look up a particular like breed of fish or stock of fish that is on a menu anywhere and it'll help you trace the origins of where it was actually caught. It will let you know if it's sustainable or not. And you should know that being an employee of the place that created this app. All right. So this is just one of the many ways in which Corey is proving himself to be a kind of uh, a derp, asleep at the switch, a derp, if you will. (laughs) Uh, Corey goes. He seems really nice, though. And of of course, teaching Ziggy how to surf is like a very cool thing to do. Sure. (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) Potentially. Probably. Um, Maybe. Maybe not. Anyway, download Seafood Watch. Download Seafood Watch. Shout out to Monterey. Shout out to Monterey. Download Seafood Watch. Uh, the Corey and Jane date, which we uh, had established previously, this was going to be like a VR date. This wasn't real. This was practice. Practice date. <laughs> VR. Trial like, run. What does that mean? Virtual reality. I, I get it. Did you ever I watch VR Troopers? Great show. Josh. Troopers, a dream of virtual reality. We are VR Troopers. Uh, great <laughs> show. Forces of Darkness empower me. Take me back to my virtual reality. Anyway. Uh, so, so Jane and Corey are going on this VR date. Uh, now I just have Jamiroquai in my head. And it's a very, and it's a very <laughs> awkward date that ends really awkwardly when Corey like is like, he's got like, he's like this ball of anxious energy. It's kind of, I got, wish you guys could see Josh. Yeah, I'm just like kind of undulating yeah, right now. Yeah, like bouncing shoulders up and down on like this hotel chair. Down. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, and it's almost as weird as what's happening with Corey and Jane as he's like, kind of like <laughs> staring at her very darkly. Uh, darkly I thought it was dark I thought he looked a little dark the way that he was looking at her Uh, and then he goes in for the kiss and she's like yeah no not ready for that please no I need to be a neutral for a little bit which I actually appreciate loved that appreciated that but I just thought it was a little weird and then she's like she tells him about how she has a kid I'm mostly into my kid Ziggy and he's like I would like to meet him like immediately that was the thing for me it was like I would like to meet him and like I think like just like to hop right into that felt like a little fast Mm. Uh, but I agree. But I th- th- that's the thing is I just I felt like maybe he was drunk. Maybe he was like a little half drunk or something like that. They'd gone out on a date. Who knows? Maybe uh, he had a land based facility fish and was feeling a little wiry. She's already <laughs> she's already said to him that like you're a little weird. So like maybe it's just <laughs> you no. Know, it's just it's just it's maybe it's just classic Corey. Who knows? I just I really hope that they're not putting Jane it's hard down. Not to feel yeah, I get very protective of her. Very nervous for her. I want yeah. I want everything to be all right for her, and I just I'm suspicious of anyone who's brought into her life. I'm I'm you know. I well, s- then that definitely makes you feel super comfortable about Mary Louise showing up everywhere. Right, right. Because <laughs> the other big development in Jane's life is not just that she's like going on a date with Corey, and that Corey's teaching Ziggy how to how to surf, which is which is great. And it was nice to see Bonnie there for that as well. I like I like Bonnie and Jane together. Like I feel like that's a that's a good twosome. I wish we would see more of that. Um, but we also see Mary Louise mm-hmm. coming more and more into Jane's life uh, through two scenes. Uh, the first one is really short and not so sweet, uh, where <laughs> where Mary Louise, uh, she comes, I guess, just like her teeth, I guess, through, a, a, I think maybe three <laughs> scenes technically, but she she comes and she sees she sees Jane at the aquarium, calls out Jane. They have a quick conversation. Uh, Mary Louise wanting the paternity test and Jane shutting that down pretty thoroughly, pretty quickly. Then later in the episode, when Jane is going to take Ziggy to school and Mary Louise is like stalking and like watching and Jane sees that 
And clearly in that moment, Jane must have gone to her and said, like, let's meet for a coffee. They go and they meet for a coffee and they exchange some photos. Yeah, that's the cool thing. So Mary Louise like sort of pulls out of her wallet all of these photos of her dead son, not right. Perry, Raymond, I believe, Raymond. correct? Yep. And he looks exactly like Ziggy, like a spitting image of Ziggy. Yeah, at which point... Which is like, probably a photoshopped uh, image of real Ziggy. At but. which point, like, <laughs> Mary Louise, do you really need the do you really need the paternity test anymore? Like, isn't it so clear in the way that you're talking about it? Like, Manipulation, is, so my clear? friend. Like, we, we say, oh, what a cool thing that they look alike. Like, this is scary. This is scary stuff. And, like, from Jane's perspective, like, I kind of get it. Like, this is technically, you know, biologically, this is Ziggy's grandmother. She can uh, impart some information about family history that could be important down the line. If you can have access to that kind of information is, is you know, I'm sure helpful for a number of reasons. Plus, It's always just been the two of them. And I think, you know, finding new family, especially with Celeste and the boys is as difficult as that might be, does create sort of like a bigger network and environment for Ziggy to grow up in. So like to add Mary Louise into that mix could conceivably be good in some ways. Right. At least the desire for that. The desire for that. Like I I get, but I I think like it it probably doesn't take very long into that coffee conversation, (laughs) at least for us, because we've seen Mary Louise in other contexts. Yeah. And and Jane really slippery, really hasn't. But like the way that Mary, even, even just in one conversation, the way that Mary Louise is talking about, like, uh, like, you know, girls, like, you know, sometimes like you go out and you drink so hard and, and you get slipped something and you don't remember, uh, so how do you know that like yeah. Perry was the only person you ever slept very with? Very victim blaming. Very victim blaming. And and beyond that, there was like the whole like uh, my son and Celeste had some violent sexual relations that were that were mutual. Yeah, are you and sure so, you like, didn't just give him, did you the, give wrong him idea? the wrong idea that yeah. maybe that was what he was into. And she's just she. It's so complicated because she's being awful to Celeste. She's being awful to Jane and who are we to give her the benefit of the doubt because she's been so awful and so I'm really not incentivized to give her much but if you're if you're able to like kind of like peel uh, back all of that and realize well, it's just a to, mother like, that's grieving yeah like how if, if you can find some empathy for a woman like Mary Louise like it is it, it does come down to that it comes down to the fact that like she is being confronted she says she's like I'm being confronted with the idea that my my son was uh, not a good was was a violent rapist and yeah. was a bad person and I just can't believe that. Well, um, how did you wonder, your other son die? Right, that's really what I want to know. One, we're wondering about that. We're wondering about what kind of circumstances Perry grew up under. Yeah, where's your where's the dad? You know, there's there's that. His, he's in Sweden. Stellan is out there. You know, doing his thing. Stellan. Uh, he's <laughs> Stellan. Stellan's in Chernobyl, solving some problems. Oh, God. Uh, but you you wonder you wonder. So uh, one other thing I wanted to say about uh, Meryl Streep this week. I feel like every week we're we're charting. A new amazing I know exactly thing what you're about to say. About I Meryl loved Street. it so much when it happened. It's, well, I don't know if we're talking about the same thing. I wonder. You know, there's there's there was the teeth in week one yeah. that we that we saw. There was the moment in week two where she kissed the cross and like she puts it like up against her chin. She's like <laughs> with the cross. If you can see me now, I'm just doing like a quadruple chin right now. Uh, she's putting the you're cross. You're very physical today. Cro- lots of prop comedy happening <laughs> on this side of the microphone uh, that you can't see. The Weston didn't know what they were in for. Yeah, the, the security guards who are watching us on the on the secret cameras here in this hotel room are, are really having a blast. Uh, it's the glasses 
yeah the glasses it's it's mary louise's glasses you literally said to me you're like i fall in love with something different that she does every week i fall in love with something different that that meryl streep does and and chooses to do with this character every single week it's the glasses just like wearing them well it's the glasses it's the (laughs) it's it's the fact that the glasses have like this like sharp cheshire cat style look to them that they do look very like there's like a feline look to them and the lenses are so big that they just like fully encompass her her face. There's like no empty negative space that you see in the lens. You just see in like you see magnified Meryl Streep. Yeah, they Street magnify face. her eyes. So it just like makes her like eyes pop forward, like uh, like Christopher Lloyd in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like there's just like oh Emily's scrunching her face. Ugh, I sounded always... like this when I killed your brother. It always grossed me out. It, it's just like it's it's so creepy. There's just like yeah. everything about Mary Louise. She's like. She's recognizably Meryl Streep, and then she's really unrecognizably Meryl Streep. Well, that's the beauty of Meryl Streep. And that's the beauty of Meryl Streep and, like, the terror of this character. And I have no idea what's going to happen with her. Do you think you'll ever meet Meryl Streep? I hope so. I hope so, so that I can can tell her, this was great work that you did with the glasses (laughs) and the teeth. Everything else you've done also really pretty good, but the glasses, <laughs> the glasses and the teeth and, and Big Little Lies season really two, got me. I really think is the best thing you've ever done. Um, Bonnie, not a lot to say. Not a lot to say about Bonnie this week. She's having visions of like being drowned in the ocean. Well, she finally had coffee with Ed, which was also very interesting. Kind of sad that we didn't get to see the details of it, but at the same time, I think that was a good artistic choice to keep us sort of at arm's reach. And to understand Madeline. To under, I think it, it's, it's probably just as effective to to see that from Madeline's perspective so that we don't really know the full extent yeah. of what's going on with Ed and Bonnie. And one of the things that could set us up for is like, if, if Ed and Madeline are able to reconcile, what kind of secrets will Ed bring to the table from his time away? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I like the idea of Ed being a little bit at arm's reach, but for Bonnie, really all we're seeing, we're seeing that we see her with Jane at one point, we see very quick glimpses of, uh, flashbacks with her mother walking along the beach and there's like one quick thing of like her mother like holding her down in the water right yeah teaching her how to swim and being like you have to be able to do this and then just like dropping her yeah like pushing her in so she had an intense childhood yes yes and i think it's gonna come back to get her (laughs) yeah so are you are we like are we nervous that Bonnie's not gonna make it? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Like, I, are you are you afraid that she's gonna like take her own life or something like that? Yeah, like the, that's my the, question. The stress of everything that's going on, and yeah. that's like why and you're we st- keep seeing these like flash forwards in uh, previews for like the whole season where she's like underwater, right? So but, I mean, I think that that's already been like kind of like a visual. But Emily, with what her. if she just loves to swim? She may she may just love to swim. Um, that'd be a very very tragic ending for this. And I wonder if something like that would be what wakes the Monterey five, or I guess it could be four at that point into, into telling the truth, into like ditching the lie, the lie coming undone. Well, one thing we didn't really talk about, but uh, see a little tiny bit in this is Mary uh, Celeste, Mary Celeste, Mary Louise going to speak to the detective once more. Right. Sure. So like clearly they're building a case internally. They're kind of like checking stuff out. Mary Louise is being very, very diligent. And I'm interested to see kind of like how that shapes up the yeah. next couple of like episodes, obviously. Um, but uh, one thing I didn't really realize is if the detective knows about Ziggy's paternity. Right. Did Mary Louise say anything to her about no, it? No. And this is fast forwarding a little bit into the feedback section okay. that, that Jess East had asked us 
uh, will Mary Louise sneak her way into Ziggy's life to get his DNA and a paternity test to show the police? Do the police know that Ziggy is Perry's right. illegitimate child? Uh, to the second part of that question, as far as we know, not yet. Yeah. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think we know the answer to that yet. Uh, Fire and Ice Cream had also written in. Great handle, great by the handle. way. Yeah. Uh, why didn't Mary Louise say anything to the police about what she found out last week? Um, I think that it we're just kind of in the feedback section now because a lot of this is linked together. Uh, Leo Rule Forever had written in, why is Mary Louise trying to get uh, get a DNA test done? I think she's going to try and get custody of her grandchildren, all three Ooh. of them, especially if she tries to get the cops to arrest Jane and Celeste for lying about Perry's death. Does make sense. So if that's, if that's Mary Louise's plan, then for her, it behooves her to like ingratiate herself with Jane, yep. get in tight with Jane, convince Jane to uh, have Ziggy take the paternity test, get the results of that, bring that conclusively to the police uh, and have that like part and parcel with some kind of argument that these women are not fit to raise the children and I should raise the children. They're, yeah. they're mine. And if we're thinking about it, okay. So that would be why she wouldn't give that information up right now. F- that's a that's a potential trump card that she has in her Think corner. about the flashback of Perry with Celeste early on, maybe like episode two, where he was like, oh, I have you all to myself. She doesn't, she's an only child. Her mother is dead and she has no relationship with her father. Right. So it would be pretty believable and conceivable for Mary Louise to be able to get those kids. If she, if she leaned on it the right way, or at least like you could imagine from her perspective, seeing that track. Yep. uh, And then like including Ziggy into that, like that would be why that could be part of what if she she sets up a play date and steals the three of them. Oh my God. I mean, I don't know. Like that would be pretty intense. Uh, We'll find out. We'll find out. But I, I think I think this is this is definitely something uh, to to watch out for. Okay. Uh, further feedback, Dave Baker wrote in: Is your podcast sustainable? Um, I think so. I don't know. The carbon put footprint for uh, all of our materials this week is more than it normally is since we drove because we're on the road. Because <laughs> we're on the road. This week, the podcast is less sustainable than, than it usually is. But we compost. We're good people. We do compost. Are we good people? Yeah, we're we, decent people. There's a recycling bin in this hotel room. You can't say that for all of them. Yeah, I don't think that like we are the ones who can say if we're good people or not. Please I, vote I in our using, poll. Are we good people or bad people? I am using a straw right Tweet now. Tweet at us. Drink good person, coffee. bad person. And explain uh, your answer if it's bad person. I would, I would like to know. Guys, why. I hope I'm a good person. We may or may not be. We'll find out. We'll let the people who listen to Wig Little Lies decide. I think our relationship is pretty sustainable. I hope so. I believe so. <laughs> it's I, been 13 years. It's been 13 years. We're doing, we're doing great. Our Uber driver was really impressed last night. Shout out to Darnell. Yeah, um, Darnell was great. Brendan Fitzpatrick uh, writes in again and says, when exactly is the right time to talk to your kids about climate change? Asking for a friend because I don't have kids. Well, Brendan, same we don't Z's, either. Yeah. Same Z's. Uh, so I have no good answer for you. He tried to explain it to Pardo once and he was um, <laughs> and then he not, died. not very receptive yeah, with the, the news. We uh, were like, we can't keep purchasing this turkey salmon for you, man. We don't believe in the how sustainable uh, these choices may yeah. not be. Sweet, sweet Pardo. May he rest in peace and power forever. Uh, did not give much of a crap about climate change. I don't think I think he would he would have been happy to just he uh, was just full of it. He was just full of it. Uh, Brent, <laughs> Brent, the shower man writes in and says, nearing the halfway point of the season, which of the Monterey five are you enjoying the most so far mm. and whose storyline is the most intriguing moving forward i can I, I have two answers to this question okay the one who i'm enjoying <laughs> the most is clearly renata yeah same the medusa of monterey 
on just like a pure visceral enjoyment level what laura dern is doing this season is killing me yeah it's just so, so good and it's it's but it's like tragic comic yeah. you know like it's there's times when it's really funny and times when it's pretty sad she's just so quick-witted like the oh, things she throws back at people i love it it's i can't great. get enough of it and then the storyline that's the most intriguing moving forward it's i mean i'm intrigued by all of them but Probably not Bonnie, though. I was actually going to say, I think it's Bonnie. Really? Me. Yeah, I think for me, it's Bonnie because she's the one who killed Perry. And she's the one who's having the most difficulty with that choice. This week, she seems to be a little bit calmer about it. Even though she started off with the flashback. It makes me wonder, like, where are we going? Where are we going with her? I feel like we've 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 arced out some possibilities for what's right. going on with Celeste and Jane and Mary Louise. Um, that feel like you you can see that coming together a little bit. So it's a great opportunity to be caught off guard if they if they go in a totally different direction. Totally. Um, but but for Bonnie, um, I'm not even necessarily thinking about it from the perspective that she could be in like literal like physical danger from herself even potentially. Um, but I just I don't really know where it's going. And the fact that she is so unsettled and has been so unnerved and has been so opposite of who she was in the first season. And the fact that Zoe Kravitz is actually getting material to work through this year. I love, I, I think she's a great actress. No, that's kind of my... And I'm so happy to see her see, having something to do. That's my complaint on the other end of that. I feel like she should have more material. Yeah. Like, it's nice to see her, like, starting to have a real story arc. But, like, I almost want more of that. Because I think it's, like, I'm I'm more intrigued by her. And I think she is such a great actress. So, like, I want more to come for her. Yeah, so that's why I'm so intrigued. Because I think that we're getting that. Oh, I don't feel like we're getting enough of it. I think we're going to, though. I think we that they're like, better. I think that they're slow building. <laughs> who, what are the answers for you? So Medusa, Monterey is your is the one you're enjoying the most. And who are you most intrigued by? I mean, I love seeing Madeline trying to like work through all of this, like even in her um, exchanges with Abigail like this week where like she's just like, Mom, I'm so sorry. And she's like, nope, I shouldn't have done this. So she's really coming to reckon with a lot of her decisions and choices and it's not so much like the sharpness that we're used to that she has as a facade, like seeing her be super vulnerable, I think is really interesting and super compelling. And I'm I I just want to see more of that. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, Steph B wrote in with a lot of great feedback. So it's hard to pick just one, but I'll pick just one. This is my favorite. Would little Bo Peep be your first choice of outfits to do a psych evaluation on a child? No. Yeah, what would you do? <laughs> I would just have like a normal lady come over. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. Well, I mean, I think that this is a practice. Uh, you know, is it? I, I I don't know what it's what it's technically called. Uh, I know that I have a relative who's very into dramaturgy. Uh, who who does uh who does uh, psychodrama. Uh, who who you know acts things out to to get? Well, I guess under she the didn't like show up as like the velveteen rabbit state. or anything. So like, I was that would say, have been like the most devastating thing of all time. I'd show up as Pikachu <laughs> because because as Pikachu, <laughs> like you're non-threatening, and they felt like they they feel like they can catch you. Well, I would start out with just like speaking in pokey speak, just like the the, the classic Pika oh, Pikas. What a nightmare, Pika P. <laughs> Uh, and then the longer I spent with Amabella, I would start like segueing into into English and being like, "Oh, you understand me? Oh, that must mean we have such a great Pokemon connection, and I'm your Pokemon. And you can tell me all these things about about how you're feeling and like how you're are we vibing and why are you doing the way? I think this works for like a certain subset of kids. Yeah, I don't feel like Pikachu's for everyone. I think I just want to get into a Pikachu costume. Oh my! I God. think I just want to keep saying Pokemon. I know you're very staccato with it. Pokemon combat. <laughs> 
Um, what else would I would I dress like? I'd probably know. be like, can someone show up as a hen? As a hen, yeah. You'd want some sort of chicken. Chicken, the chicken keepers. Yeah, farmer. Yeah, you know what? It would it would be really good therapy if someone showed up with a little basket of baby chicks. That'd be cute. I would I would really respond you'd well be, to that. You'd be happy with that. Um, <laughs> great feedback this week. Uh, yes, we we thank love you guys. getting your feedback, so please keep sending it in. Again, Twitter at Post Show Recaps, at Round Howard, at Emilet. You can send us feedback through our feedback form. Then nobody's really doing that, but I'll just keep throwing out the link anyway. <laughs> Postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. Episode four coming up next week. It's called She Knows. Ooh. She Knows. Who do you think she is? There's many possibilities and so many things to know. So hard to even speculate. Uh, but episode four is She Knows. Once again, that recap will be coming to you a little bit later. Uh, expect that uh, somewhere around Wednesday of next week, Wednesday afternoon, potentially as late as Thursday morning. Uh, we will we will get it to you as soon as we possibly can. And then we will be back on track, starting with episode five. Emily, um, before we close out... Can we take a final moment to thank our friends at True Car? Yes, absolutely. All right, so I need a minute for this. You ready? 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute, Emily? You can get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get so none of a the True things Cash I normally do. <laughs> offer. I thought that you were laughing at me about the sit-ups thing. I was like, I've been trying. No, I don't do it. <laughs> Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. Emily Fox, what else did we miss? Anything else from this episode that you want to talk about before we close out the podcast? No, I just want to say again that we're going to be as sustainable as possible moving forward. And uh, I'm very excited uh, to be podcasting with you on the road. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good time uh, for our next recap, which will be coming your way as soon as humanly possible. Uh, should we talk more about Gordon's man cave or just let it be like just like he was drinking a beer this time instead of all of like the scotch. All the trains. He's got like a vault door painted on the inside of the door. Can we talk about his hair for a second? His hair's great. What are we going to talk about? Does he part it down the middle? I don't know. I think maybe it just naturally goes that way. Some people like to part their hair down the middle. This is. I how, mean, I do. Yeah, you're a, you're a middle parter. I'm a middle parter. Yeah. I part I part directly center. <laughs> one one <laughs> one brush to the left, one brush to the right, and I'm done. What? No, no. And then I wear a tuxedo shirt. And then I become very impressive. Did you want to cut your hair into like a bowl cut just for old time? I used sake? to. I used to have yeah, the bowl cut. Yeah. I was a bowl cut kid for sure. Can you post that picture online? Absolutely not. Okay. Definitely not. I'll do it. Later. I'm sure it's probably out there already if you dig deep enough. But yeah. uh, Emily apparently will will put that out into the into, into the, the world. Ether. No Nathan this week, really. He was there at the assembly, but otherwise no also, Nathan. Also, how did everyone come to an assembly like that last minute? Nobody, like like both sets of parents. Very concerned parents. The world's ending. When the world is ending, you have to you have to rally. I'm just telling you right now, if there was an assembly like this, I'd be like, okay, one of us is going. The yeah. other one is staying home. Okay. Well, well, that's a future problem, potentially. 
Um, all right, that's it. That's basically all we got. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so already uh, on your podcast platform of choice. We would love your ratings, your reviews. As always, honest feedback is what we like, especially when it's good. If it's bad, that's totally cool as well, but probably just keep that to yourself. Uh, <laughs> we we love hearing from you guys, though, both yes. in, the, in, in the reviews and also in all the feedback that we've been getting. Having a great time. Uh, going through big little lies with all of you. So we will be back midweek next week. Elsewhere on Post Show Recaps, I will quickly say our Stranger Things podcast coverage is about to kick off. Mike Bloom and I are podcasting about every single episode of the new season of Stranger Things on a on, on an episode-by-episode basis. This is different than how we have talked about Stranger Things on Post Show Recaps in the past, which I believe we've only done like a big one-off podcast with Antonio Mazzaro and myself. Oh, I remember uh, that. I've done Antonio the kindness of not dragging him into the Upside Down uh, for Stranger Things Season 3. Mike Bloom and I have willingly jumped headlong. Instead, I've thrust Mike Bloom into it. Mike's Mike's a trooper. Mike will do whatever he wants to do. He's, he's the man. Uh, Mike and I are going headlong into the Upside Down. We are doing episode-by-episode episode recaps of Stranger Things. Our preview show is coming up this week uh, in which we outline in vivid detail the schedule that we will be sticking to uh, for our Stranger Things How podcast. exciting. It's going to be... We're going to be taking over July. July is Stranger Things month on Post Show Recaps. You're going to be able to binge the whole season of Stranger Things long before you will be able to listen to the final podcast of the Stranger Things podcast. A little hard to figure out exactly how to pace out these Netflix shows and how to cover them. This time we're trying, we're going to do it just the, the, the one to one to one to one. Uh, there's eight episodes total in Stranger Things, uh, season three. So we are, uh, we're, we're very excitedly getting into that. So if that sounds fun, keep an ear out for that. We've already done some recording of that podcast and, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a goofy hot mess of a time. Uh, so if, if that sounds like your kind of thing, uh, even if you're not a big Stranger Things fan, I think you may, and you just like to listen to Mike and I shoot the shit, you might really enjoy this one. Does Mike have a nickname at all? I don't know. Uh, yeah, he does. Uh, Mixed Master Mike. Uh, <laughs> Did some, you just make that up? Some people call him a man whore. Wow. Yeah, I know that that's He's news. He's a new father. I know that's news. You say that. They, they've been saying this for years about Mike. Uh, so, yeah. While you were talking about this, all I could think of was the Zooby Zooby Zoo song, but it would be Bloomy Bloomy Bloom. Oh, wow. Uh, shut up, Tim. Get on that. We know you're listening. <laughs> all right, that's it. Love right. you guys. Bye. Bye.